How are you going to prosecute the hell out of Ellsberg and anyone else who wants to leak? And uh, that means any one of you here who crosses the line, I'm personally going after them, okay? The permissiveness of this year is over. The belts are coming off and people are going to go to the woodshed. I know how traitors operate. I've dealt with them all my life. And I've worked with these cases. It's never the little people. The little people do not leak. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boyd Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got a good amount to get to on the show. We got a mailbag at the end of it. Uh, the Giants had a scrimmage. They re- released another one of our favorite undrafted uh, free agents in Javon Leak. Justin, before we get to it, this episode is brought to you by, I'm not going to say his real name, but you know him on Twitter as NYG Fan and CLT, um, my New York Giants cap expert. Why, how, how did this episode uh, come to come to you by him? Well, why this episode is coming to you by him specifically is because he went to patreon.com backslash talking giants, subscribed for $2 a month, and now he has access to live streams, which we record podcasts twice a week, which will turn into three times a week during the season, but especially on Sundays or Mondays after we play a football game, we will go live and we will talk about it. And uh, you get some extra, other extra perks, like uh, raffles at the end of the month for a free T-shirt. You could win this Hog Molly shirt that I'm wearing right now. Twice so, a month yeah. during Thursday Night Football. Every other Thursday Night Football, we'll do that. We're doing twice a month? Yep. Wow. Yeah, we said that. You weren't listening. Uh, how, how are you doing, man? How are you feeling about the uh, the scrimmage? I know we're all kind of down on it. Um, some takeaways we have. I'm not going to get into, like, this guy did this. and th-. But, I mean... What were your overall thoughts just like on the scrimmage, production, et cetera? Frustrated. Uh, I went on this podcast and I said, they're going to show everything. I'm pretty sure last Thursday or Friday, I was like, they're going to show everything. Have faith. And then it was on Twitter maybe 24 hours before I was like, yeah, I've kind of convinced myself that they're not going to show everything. <laughs> so I was ready to be disappointed. But then still just seeing it, Bobby, especially when you had to watch it live. Now you had the mis. Now I'm going to, I'm not even going to say misfortune. You had the benefit of not watching it live because you were able to just fast forward through everything on YouTube and you didn't have to sit through, you know, what I felt like was 25, 30 minutes of commercials. So just the way that it was done, they had an opportunity, Bobby, to make people excited about giants football. And I think they just missed it and save me the whole secrecy argument and the whole secrecy point. Oh, you don't want to show the Pittsburgh Steelers too much. You don't want to show them too much because what if you show them your entire game plan? Like, what is that point? What is that point? It's not like they'd have 15 years of Jason Garrett tape to look back on. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely rather have it that what they gave us than nothing. But I agree. I think the secrecy stuff is a little is a little overblown. I get it. Listen, this is this is what comes uh, with the territory with Joe Judge. But I was aggravated. I'm not going to like pound my fist and be mad because I do. As much as I don't like the secrecy thing, I get what they're doing. They're trying to set a standard with it. But it was annoying because they just, if you didn't get to see it, and most I'm sure most of our listeners did, they just didn't even let us get to watch a full play through. Because every play they would do, they would have it from an angle. And then when you'd get to see something, a formation, I don't they would switch the angle up on you real quick. So you really couldn't even like break anything down or like look at it like, oh, that's cool. Look at this play or, or the way he did this. So that was frustrating. Um, it, it just, 
it just was a bad production, honestly. Um, they got us hyped up for it, like it was going to be a preseason game, and it just it was nothing of that. It was it was like watching the training camp ground clips that they uh, they put out from the Giants page. It was so strange because they literally had everything that they needed to make to make it a good production, and the Giants usually do a pretty solid job of of putting on a good production for a regular preseason game. This was clearly on purpose, and this was clearly purposeful. Yeah. Where yeah, it wasn't like they just didn't know how to make a good production. They did it, like you said, to make sure there's nothing because you know all these coaches are watching everything. I mean, the Cowboys today on their scrimmage, they they didn't do they didn't put numbers on their players' jerseys. That's how secretive they're being. Um, which which is funny. But like Danny Behan said in the chat, we're still gonna watch on Friday, this upcoming Friday at the scrimmage, and we're gonna we're gonna overreact to stuff too. So speaking of overreaction, and I don't wanna like put too much on the beat reporters because it was their job to report it as it was, but I feel like a couple of them embellished a little bit with it, uh Justin, where you know what? Friday night we were like Lorenzo Carter had four sacks? four and a half or whatever and it was like that's not good uh all the offense had a like three three and outs that's not good and then you look at it and it's like sterling shepherd third down catches the pass and Devonte downs like chases him and just barely gets two hands on him they mark him down so there was no live tackling so it was basically two-hand touch for the most part so that was where it was a little overreactive and the sacks were like a couple of them were like Carter running by and literally just putting his hand on Jones and they would call it a sack. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, now granted they, they're not allowed to wrap him up, but it wasn't like a great performance for the offensive line or anything, but I definitely became way less alarmed about the offense after actually watching it. I did like the point about Daniel Jones stepping up in the pocket and that was that little sound bite that Joe Judge and Jones had between you know, had between each other and I think that was honestly the most awesome part about this if there's one thing that you do want to see and still one thing that I think you can take away from it is that yeah Jones is being a little bit of a statue in the pocket and that's no matter what angle they were showing whether they were showing it like at the line of scrimmage or then they zoomed out after the snap of the ball and then they showed the broadcast angle right. you were still able to see how Jones manipulated the pocket and that's a well, like one was like where he was rolling out to the right Justin and you clearly like he's not going to throw it and instead of throwing it away he like held on to it because like what's the point of throwing it away in a scrimmage and he does throw it like half a second later but Carter runs by him where in a game, I don't think Jones has taken that sack. I think he's either taken off, throwing it a little earlier and forcing it or throwing it out of bounds. So it's like, that wouldn't have been a sack. That wasn't like a bad play on the offensive line. Um, the one on Thomas, like he literally like just brushed his back shoulder, like his back on it to really the only like takeaway I had from player wise, besides a few stuff with the receivers, because the receivers actually could like get a real, real like scrimmage. In, was that, Daniel Jones fumbled. Now, they didn't show it to us, which is frustrating. But Daniel Jones did fumble, man. And listen, I I'm known as like the Daniel Jones supporter, the Daniel Jones guy. But that is frustrating to me. Like, dude, we you spent all offseason doing this. I get you're in a non-contact um, red jersey right now. But, dude, you got to practice. You cannot be a fumble guy. Now, granted, he's going to fumble this year. Like, like every QB fumbles. So it could have been like, hey, this was just one. But I don't like that at all, man, that, that he fumbled. Um, he needs to be practicing that stuff. Joe Judge had a pep talk with him, which people love, but I'm over pep talks. I, I want him to stop fumbling, man, because everything else about him is promising. Like, does not not to say he's, like, perfect, but everything else is, like, promising. Like, he's putting the work in. That, that will get better. This will get better. The fumbles, man, it's just like, 
It's I know it sounds simple, but in my mind, I'm like, dude, just stop fumbling the ball. Yeah, I mean, turnovers are a big no-no. I mean, Jameis Winston, without those interceptions, can literally be a top half of the end of the National Football League in terms of quarterbacks, in terms of the production that he puts up. But those interceptions and his ability to turn over the ball literally make him a backup. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but I, I don't even look at it as though like an evaluation thing where it's like interceptions, like you can't just like say get rid of inter- these interceptions. Like that's part of playing the quarterback position. Where fumbles is just a simple way of just like just hold on to the ball in the pocket. Where interceptions comes down to decision making, accuracy, uh, anticip like where fumbling is literally just hold on to the ball. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's that's a good point. But I was also just thinking about it in terms of turning the ball over. Yeah, it cost the Giants games and points last year. Yeah, especially when you're talking about a defense that we cannot be putting our defense in any kind of uncomfortable situation. The strength of this 2020 Giants is hopefully going to be the offense is just putting the team overall in a good circumstance, in a good situation. We can't, we can't have it in the opposite manner. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's just frustrating. Like I said, he, he just has to clean that up, man. It's, it's so simple, yet it seems so complicated with him. And it's like he puts in the work. Like, you know, we know with Jones, like, if, if he fails, it, it will be not be due to lack of effort and lack of preparation. Like, we know he does. He puts everything into it. We know he has the IQ for it. But it's just the fumbles, man. It's like, just clean that up. Work on that, man. And, and you know, like Judge said, man, stop swinging it around in the pocket. Hold it up and tight and just keep it keep it steady right there. So, I mean, I'm not worried that he's going to have a fumble year like he did last year because, I mean, that would be hard to replicate. But still, like, just the fumble issue does bother me. Yeah. Can't turn over the ball. Can't yeah. do it. Um, other things, Justin. I mean, what, what's another takeaway you have from the camp, uh, from it, besides Corey Coleman being the leading uh, receiver and Wayne Gallman um, getting our guy Javon Leak cut? Um, I think we can go to the linebackers. I think that was pretty cool. Um, Devontae Downs and Tay Crowder were – the two guys we know mm-hmm. Conley was out for the majority. You know, Conley has been Conley struggling with injuries or, or played. He actually had a really good play in coverage, too. But I was surprised that they put Crowder and Devon. I like Devontae Downs. We hear about it, but it was kind of wild to see those two out there starting. Now, granted, Blake Martinez was uh, injured, he's back now. So that, I mean, that worry that was there for a couple of days is gone. But I love seeing Crowder out there and Devontae Downs. From the little bit we were able to see of it, it's hard to see. He looked pretty good. And for someone who I talked about being slow, he uh, he showed a little bit of burst. Yeah. Yeah, so it's exciting. I mean, uh, I think t- you, you get more excited about Tay Crowder and his potential because just of what we saw during the pre-draft process. But if Devontae Downs can come out here and surprise us too good, it only makes that interior linebacker depth to be good, which we already know that we can go through that depth chart pretty quickly based off of what happened last year. And even Blake Martinez was struggling with some stuff, but he's back. So don't worry about that. Uh, Montre Hardage. I think a, a big question that we had was what are the Giants going to be really doing at safety and who was going to be that number three safety? Because we do know that Patrick Graham likes to run with more than two safeties on the field. And it was Montre Hardage, just like I kind of thought. But, you know, they didn't throw in a wild card with the Chris Williamson or anything like that. It was Montre Hardage. And it confused the living heck out of me because Montre Hardage was number 18. And that's very much a wide receiver number. So he's probably going to change his number again once the roster cuts are, or, you know, once it's brought down to 53. So he'll change his number to like a safety or a corner number. 
Um, but number 18, Monte Hardage was a lot. Uh, he was out there on a lot of third downs and, I can't, again, I can't say how he did or how he performed, but I was just really looking to see who was where. Corey Ballantyne was the cornerback number two. Mm-hmm. I know he allowed a, a big play to Darius Slayton, uh, but that was, I guess that was just more or less a better throw by Jones than anything because he threw it in between a couple guys. You pointed out that Caden Smith was literally wide open in the flat, but it was uh, Darius Slayton who was running a little bit of a post route and Jones found him in between a couple guys, which was really nice to see because especially since a lot of the national media heads say that Daniel Jones struggles against zone coverage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was a perfect example where it's like, that's what I love about Daniel Jones is that it, was, it wasn't like it was third down and they need to force it. It was second down and like 16 and Caden Smith is wide open, right, like right in front of them. So it's not like he didn't see him. Like Caden Smith was the check down. Saquon was the check down in the flats, was covered. Caden Smith is wide open and he would have got like eight, nine yards. But it was like a cover two look. Like you said, it was like a, it was like a, a, a slant or not a slant, a post dig. And Jones waits it, gets fires it off right at the right time, puts it over Holmes' head um, to the side of Ballantyne, and ends up being a 40-yard catch, which was the play of the day for Jones. And that, those are the things we love about Daniel Jones. So it was nice to see that. Um, you know, we'll see in the next scrimmage like a play or two, but it does suck that we have to wait until week one to break these guys down. I, I, I truly miss the preseason, man. Because like, man, when the preseason happens, I watch the game five, six times and break down stuff, new clips. So. It sucked not having it. Gallman had a big day, like the one big run. Um, he had a couple. From what the angle said, it looked like he had a couple nice cuts, but it that is what it is. Um, we had some other stuff. Deion Lewis got a lot of work, which was nice. He had a nice little shifty play. I'm excited. I'm excited for Deion Lewis. I'm very yeah. excited to see what they can do with him. Yeah, he um he had two rushes, 17 yards, four catches, 21 yards. So it looks like they will be using him in the receiving game a little bit. So since we're talking about running backs, should we talk about Javon Leak? Yeah, so let's touch on it. Giants cut Javon Leak and Christian Angulo, um, the deep, their cornerback out of Hampton, who I liked a lot. I didn't really think he was going to make the team, even though he was with like the second team corners um, in this because we're so thin there. Um, we won't spend much time on Angulo, but Javon Leak, I, I was pretty bothered. Not, I was bothered by this, you know, because I'm just not huge on the Gallman training, and I know a lot of people are. I'm just, I'm just not big on Gallman. And Leak has that burst, man. I mean, you look at his like his college stats with his film. I mean, he averaged seven point two yards per carry on one hundred two carries. And I get you can say, well, listen, he was the backup, but Tavion Feaster, the guy we brought in, has been a career backup, and you know, um, until this last year where he was literally a spit a split back. Um, like I said, Javon Leak, one hundred two carries, seven hundred thirty six yards, eight touchdowns, seven point two yards per carry. They were using him as the kick returner, Justin. There's this burst I like. That's what I wanted in my third string running back. There's not someone who's going to be solid. I want someone who can make plays. And that's what's so aggravating when they kept John Hillman last year. And we're starting John Hillman in a game. That being granted, they did sign Tavion, uh, Tavion Feaster, who is much better than John Hillman. I just did. I'll go through some stats and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, he was a backup for three years at Clemson. He was actually a backup to Wayne Gallman in 2016. That year, he had 37 carries for 221 yards, two touchdowns, six yards per carry. Gallman behind the same uh, offensive line had 4.9 yards per carry. Granted, he had 232 carries. And then the next year, him and Travis Etienne, who's supposed to be like the top back in next year's draft, they split carries in 2017. He had 107 carries, 669 yards, 6.3 yards per carry. Etienne, uh, Etienne had the same 107 carries, 766 yards, 13 touchdowns. 7.2 yards per carry, so obviously won the job there. 
So the next year, uh, Etienne, Travis Etienne, I, I'm really, I know I'm botching that that name. He had 130 more carries than him, uh, averaged 2.5 yards more per carry. That was because Etienne was averaging 8.1. And then he transferred to South Carolina, where he split snaps with uh, Rico Dowdle, who's a Cowboys running back right now and drafted free agent. Uh, he had 124 carries, 672 yards, five touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry. So not bad. Um, if they would have signed him as an undrafted free agent and they didn't sign Leak, I would have been like, okay, give Feaster a shot number three. Just the difference is I like Leak more than Feaster. But also, like, we're not in the building either, so it's hard to, like, have the strongest take because we don't, we don't get to see anything really. Yeah. I, do we know if he can return kicks at all? Um... I don't think he does. I didn't read anything about him returning kicks. Yeah, because really, if there's one thing that really, like, really why I liked Leak over Gallman, like, really one reason, it's because that explosiveness, but that could also can be manifested in special teams. That was really it. Where I don't know if I'm going through my head and I'm going through the 53 man. Ballantyne returned some kicks last year, but do we want to be putting Corey Ballantyne, who may be our cornerback number two, back there? I don't think so. Um, do we want to be putting Corey Coleman back there a year coming off the ACL? Maybe wide receiver number four may not be a bad thing. Can one of these undrafted free, uh, free agent wide receivers, if they make the team, can they return kicks? Derek Dillon. Kenny, I don't even know. We haven't even heard Derek Dillon's name throughout this entire camp besides like the first week of practice. So that's really the only thing. I'm not going to freak out over running back three while Wayne Gallman does nothing to inspire me. Literally nothing. Like does nothing to inspire me, especially at running back three does nothing to inspire me. So that's the only thing. It's like, how can you make yourself a contributor somewhere? If you're going to be that low on the depth chart, how can you contribute somewhere on the team? And that would be special teams. And Wayne Goldman just doesn't do that. They doesn't even do for anything for special teams either. Yeah. For some reason, the Giants just, I don't know. I guess Feaster, like I said, he's a different type of back than Leak where he's he has some, he, he has, probably has better straight line speed once they get going, but he's not faster, if that makes sense. Um, and he, he breaks more, he like, he's going to break more tackles in the hole. So I guess that's what they liked about Feaster more than Leak, where Leak is like kind of a big play guy. But like you said, Leak has a kick returner ability. I like Leak more than Feaster. Obviously we don't get too stuck up in our egos where it's like, we're losing our mind over like, they're so wrong about the third string running back. Yeah. Running back three. When you have Saquon Barkley and Deion Lewis, it's like, (laughs) you know, yeah. I will, I will say, I mean... I did get very mad whole, about Rob Martin last year, and people called me silly, and we could have used him against the Patriots. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're right on that. But uh, Leak could clear waivers, too. He could wind up on the practice squad. And then, lo and behold, I'm very much willing to bet that just like any position, depth can be thin at a certain point in the year, just like there was against Thursday Night Football in 2019 last year. And Javon Leak could be called up to the main 53 at some point. So hopefully he clears waivers. Maybe he makes, maybe he makes the practice squad. Maybe the giants want him back. Um, what, but everyone's saying that. Why would they do that? If they like, why wouldn't they just put Feaster on the practice squad? Everyone's been saying that. I don't get it because they, I, I'm guessing they want to see which one they want to keep on the practice squad. It's either going to be leak or it's but gonna... they did it for two bum corners. I can't even remember their names now, right now that I'm thinking about it. That's my, that was the other thing. It was like, they did it for bum corners. I get you need depth in camp. But you cut Christian Angulo. Um, I feel like you could have done with like one less corner in camp. Oh well, like you said, I'm, we're not going to get too mad about it. Um, and and the rosters are pretty much set. Basically, I judge kind of hinted at like, hey, there can be some changes. But we they talked for six hours yesterday about the roster. So the rosters are pretty much set. I would say uh, at this point. 
Gallman's the third string running back, basically. Speaking of rosters kind of being set, Nick Gates was the starter, and it seems like that's going to be the case. And there were two reps. Now, this now here's the thing. I know you said not to talk specifically about certain things, but there were two reps that when you were able to see the center versus whoever he was going up against, and Nick Gates was there, Nick Gates was anchoring down pretty well against Alvin Tomlinson. Take that with take that uh, with a grain of salt. But it was fun to see, it was fun to see him at center. He's the starting center. Um, I, I you could take that one to the bank. Um, let's talk about Tyler Haycraft. Play- no, um, I, I, I'm done. I'm done talking specifics about the scrimmage, Justin. We talked about um, the league stuff. I mean, do we have anything else you want to hit on before we hit the hit the mailbag? Hit the bag of mail. No, no. Conspiracy theory. I have a conspiracy theory. Okay, go ahead. Twitter is trying to stop us from doing mailbag. Have you noticed that the past like three times where we post the Blues Clues video with it, it gets like uh, 200 impressions on Twitter. And I swear it's just the people who have post notifications on for us because it gets absolutely no exposure. And this never happened like that before. They must have blocked that audio or that video or something. So, like, I put it out today with just a picture of Steve from Blues Clues, and we got, like, a good amount of mailback questions. And it was, like, with no warn. It was, like, with no, like, anticipation either. I'm pretty pissed because I love posting that video. The man is coming after us. Steve from Blues Clues. He's finally back from college. That's that's the episode. I remember this when I was little. That's the episode he left. He left to go to college, even though he looked like a grown man. That's what they said on the TV show. So now he finally graduated college, and he's back with the vengeance. So Blues Clues Steve was my Blues jam. I, had a, I literally had my own handy-dandy uh, notebook. You still have your handy-dandy notebook, except it's your notepad now. Yep, and I have – look, for look, this is how prepared we are, boys and girls. It's a, we have really, like, nothing to talk about, and I've got two pages full of notes. I have a little, I have a little pad. got two pages full of notes for this episode. Um. All right, let's kick it to Steve from Blue's Clues. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, thanks, Steve from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. We were talking about some secondary play in the first half of the show. So Topher Pete and Mr. Brownstone, they're asking about Logan Ryan. Log- uh, Topher Pete too. has both in the chat. So shout out Patreon, Patreon chat. We love you. But um, Topher Pete asked the longer question. So I will, I will read his question. Would you be happy with us picking up Logan Ryan at this point? I feel like his veteran leadership could really help, and even though it wasn't something we would have done if McKinney and or Baker were playing, I think it could be a huge piece that could help us win now. So I know you're not super high on Logan Ryan, nor am I. Like I, I, I don't think Logan Ryan – Like you look at his stuff from last year and it wasn't great. Now, granted, I haven't watched film, and I just don't have the time right now to go and do that. But he has a name for a reason. I would be cool with Logan Ryan at this point because we talked about having at least a trusted second, like second corner. Justin changes the way we look at this team. It gives our offense a chance to go and outscore teams. And if they can get it for like five mil or less or something, like I'm not going to be mad about that. Like I'm not going to be like so looking ahead that where they sign a good player and I'm going to be mad about it. 
He also apparently must be in the top 100 NFL player ranking for a reason as well, and he's somehow a free agent. So my question is, where is he going to go? They do, but I, I, I was saying that somewhat sarcastically. Where is he going to go? That's my main question. I'm asking that genuinely. I'm not acting like I'm the Logan Ryan expert. I looked at his pro football reference page. I saw some Titans tape from last year when we were prepping for free agents, and I said no thanks. So I could go back, and I could go back to years past, and we could see if he played a different position. But where would he go? Some people are talking about safety. Bobby, I don't know if I would want to bring on – I don't know if, but some I'm saying some. This is some people are theorizing safety. I don't know if I would want to bring in a guy where with the amount of money that he's asking for to be our number three safety. Don't know no if doubt. I would want that. No doubt. I if I want if he were in, to bring in, it would have to be cornerback too for me. Yeah, um, not slot corner because if he's going to put up the same numbers that he put up at slot corner last year then I would rather have Darnay Holmes just allow that those same numbers, those same piss poor numbers and go through his rookie year and just get those, you know, get those physical reps under his belt and then hopefully be good to rock and roll in 2021. It would have to be for cornerback number two. Yeah. The difference between now and when we were going to the free agency is with going to the free agency, we were thinking like three year, like 10 plus mil a year kind of deal. Whereas now I view him as like a one year, four mil, five mil type guy. Yeah, but also I would just just bring in Ross Cockrell. Just bring we'll in Ross Cockrell. We have a Cockrell. question about it. Save your take on that. We have a okay. question about it. Well, there is no take. It's just bring Go in Ross it. Cockrell. Go to okay. that question. Which of the remaining free agent DBs gives you the most interest? And that's from Enter Name Here 33. Ross Cockrell. Bring him back. Seriously, Ross Cockrell was like the perfect signing. Why is that not happening? Why has that not been revisited? I don't get it. I was so I um a little look into my mind. I spent like forty five minutes going through each intro because I'm gonna I'm putting together a thread of what our intro w- were for the off season, and I was like Ross Cockrell. Why is Ross Cockrell not on our freaking team, dude? Figure that out. What the, what could he have been asking for that the Giants were like, oh no way? I mean, was it like seven eight mil? Like what was Ross Cockrell looking for? I would pay more for Ross Cockrell than Logan Ryan. I don't get it. I, Ross Cockrell is someone who could be a long-term like player here. I don't understand why Ross Cockrell is not on the team. It's so frustrating to me. Now, some people may be rolling their eyes hearing that Bobby just said, oh, Ross Cockrell, Cockrell could be a long-term player here. That's not you saying that he can be an all-pro player here, but it's just saying, look at the cornerback depth that we have right now. Look at look at who's on the roster. He played well last year for Carolina. I went and watched all the film, which I looking back, it's like wasted so much time on that. But watch the film on him. He was a good player. Um, other people, there's really not anybody out there that's below the age of 30. Um, Javion Elliott, another Carolina corner, so you know, maybe just make it the Carolina defense. Partially prepare yourself for there to be a point if nobody else is brought in for cornerback number two, prepare yourself for Brian Williams to come in and be the cornerback number two. Because there's a chance that there's a chance that Corey Ballantyne could get absolutely toast the first couple weeks. And then we're in that spot where Brian Williams, a guy that's played like 86 something snaps the last two years. He's our starting cornerback number two. Get, get ready for it. DeAndre Baker. How about him? Um, um, Bobby, 14th, in a way, he has court. September. I think it's September 10th or something like that. September 4th. You, you said date. I'm I'm low key rooting for it. What choice do we have? <laughs> not guilty. What choice do we have? We have no other choice right now. <laughs> We're not going back and revisiting the DeAndre Baker situation. Um. Yeah, Javion Elliott. I don't. I don't know. 
Next question. Next question. We'll we'll flip to the offense side of the ball. Thoughts on Bachman and Sills overtaking the other three undrafted rookies, and this is from at Freddie Godal. Freddie Godal. Freddie Godal. He's a Patreon, I believe. I love this question, Justin, because I'm all for it. You know, we went into this camp thinking these three undrafted free agents, somebody was going to make a name for them. So, one, uh, the wide receivers who caught passes from Colt McCoy uh, in the scrimmage, a.k.a. second team, were Corey Coleman, David Sills, Alex Bachman, and then Alex Mack had one catch. I'm all for it. Let the best man win at this job. I think Corey Coleman's the number four. I think he's kind of locked that down. But Sills and Bachman, who cares if they weren't like the guys we were talking about going into it? Sills, I was, you know, was a little bit. Shout out Frank the Tank, who really put me on to him last year. But if Bachman is this guy, like this nobody who we never gave thought to, and he's he's better than Victor and Mac and Dylan, then by all means, let let the let the guy play. I'm all for it, man. Let let one of these guys come play. And now that we have a Patriots coach, we need to have a quota of white wide receivers. Yeah, it's not like Benjamin Victor, Austin Mack, and Derek Dillon were drafted in the first seven rounds of an NFL draft and were, and were so invested in them to the point that they, oh, these guys are one of our draft picks. We have to get these guys to work. No, they're undrafted free agents for a reason, and if one of these guys can come up, and especially wide receiver. I feel like wide receiver can sometimes be just such a centered around the chemistry that you have and the relationship and the communication that you have with your quarterback, and if one of these guys can win it, I would love, love, love to see it. We see undrafted free agent late round guys all the time turn out um, with this. Sills, I'm Sills is a lock for me. And if Sills was a part of this rookie class instead of last year's, and he was like one of the undrafted free agents, we would be banging on the tail for Sills. I think he had like 31 touchdowns in two years at West Virginia. And Bachman in the um, in the scrimmage, he had four catches for 44 yards. So like I said, like you said, man. Let one of the let whoever wins wins. I don't care how tall Victor is or how fast Dylan is. If these guys can outperform them and give more production, give it to me. So yeah, ah, I'm all for those guys winning the job. So I mean, right now it looks like it could be our six wide receivers. Obviously, the three Slayton, Shep, Tate, to me Coleman and Sills. I think are locks. And I mean, it seems like Bachman is the guy for the number six wide receiver right now. And he's white, so you know he can play special teams. <laughs> that is just a fact. Next question at NY Giants Talk 3. Would you guys rather keep Dalvin Tomlinson on a four-year, $32 million contract or have Leonard Williams on a four-year, $54 million contract? So annually, this would be $8 million a year for, Dec- or for Dalvin and $13.5 million for Leonard Williams. Justin, I'll, I'll let you take this one away. Is it bad if I just say, "Can we wait to see how 2020 works out?" No, I no, can't. That's that's not a that's, that's not a good answer. That's not good radio. So four year thirty two. This no, is a tough I, question to me. It, it is. It is definitely a tough question because. So you said the difference is basically the difference is five million dollars. Five and a half mil, which gets you could bring in a good player. Yeah, it could. Yeah, I think I'm going Dalvin Shoot. because you have BJ Hill in the rotation. Um, RJ, like, I think I'm going Dalvin. I, I like Leonard, and I think he's – we talked about it on the last episode where people are like, oh, he never gets sacks. It's like, well, actually go look at his career. He's gotten sacks. I mean, he had an all-pro year, and he had one in the scrimmage too, by the way. Um, no big deal. He's um, going to get sacks this year, I'm telling you. He will you right get now, sacks get this sacks. year, whether it's, you know, three or five, six, but he will – it's not going to be like last year. Um, 
Lenny Williams to me is the clearly better player, but I think I think I'm going Dalvin for five and a half mil less. Yeah. The the thing is is that Bobby, I just I'm not a smart enough football mind to really, really say like how does Leonard Williams make everyone else around him better? Because clearly he did, and he made Dalvin better. And that's the other thing too, is like <laughs> Dalvin became his best when Leonard came around. I don't um, I don't know how to quant I don't know how to quantify that in my in my brain. That's the thing. So ugh, y- you know, like can can Leonard Williams make like you know, we say goodbye to a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson, and then hey, RJ McIntosh is gonna finally get his shot to, go, to really go at it. Sack. Every time he gets like eight reps in a game, RJ McIntosh gets us a rest sack. People don't talk but about RJ McIntosh enough. But hear me out. Hear me out with this one example where RJ McIntosh is finally just gonna get his shot, and then he's like, "Oh my gosh, RJ McIntosh is coming onto the scene, and he's bursting on the scene, getting a sack every two games or something like that." So. Is it because R.J. McIntosh is a great player or is it just because uh, Leonard Williams is able to do that much for everybody around him? So that's, that's my thing because I really do view if Leonard Williams can get like a, some five sacks this year but still find a way to maybe even add a few more QB hits and have the other areas of generating pressure around him, very similar to how he did on the eight-game pace last year with the Giants, but just adding those sacks, if he can do that, he might be worth it. He might. Yeah. The more that I'm thinking about what Dex or Dalvin Thompson was like pre Leonard Williams, the more it makes me lean towards Leonard. RJ McIntosh, two out of the last three games where he had ten plus snaps, two sacks. I'm just saying. Cause also the thing with Dalvin Bobby, and I can't get this out of my BJ brain. Hill's there too. That's another factor. Right, but the thing the thing with Dalvin is that he only sees fifty five percent of the snaps. That's that's the crazy thing to me, and I think he's going to see an increase in 2020, partially because he's on a contract year, and I just think it doesn't make sense that he only saw 55% of the snaps. But also, if we're thinking about who can slot in in that replacement, I can very much be okay with having B.J. Hill out there for 55% of the snaps in a rotation with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. I can be very much okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's not the question of, like, who's better. Larry Williams is clearly better. It's just that five and a half mil. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a tough question, though. I really like that question. That was a tough one. That, that may, Maybe we'll tweet that question out or something. Actually, no, we won't because that will turn into uh, a real mess in the replies. It would. It really um, would. We are not going to tweet that out now that I'm thinking about it. No. No. But it's a, it's a good question if you're listening to this to reflect on it and ponder yourself because if there's a good chance that the Giants are going to have to answer this question themselves in the next few months, which is very interesting and it's fun to think about. Um, makes me stressed, though. So, here, so here's one that's just a bit more um, broad, and this is from Vic Damone, 1979. So is this D going to be any good? Decent, maybe. At least not unwatchable. I don't know. Depends on Corey Valentine. <laughs> Depends really? on Corey Valentine. I have something, and I have something, and I read, I, I typed about this, and I wrote this all in um, uh, some blogs, some deep dives that I've done on TalkingGiants.com. And frankly, Bobby, if the Giants can change this one facet of their defense this year in 2020, I think it can drastically change the outlook of the group. You know, it's, we're not going to be a great group. We're not going to be a solid group. You know, I guess we maybe we can be a solid group. We're not going to be a great group on the defense side of the ball. 
But 2019, and I might have already read this on the podcast too, in 2019, the Giants' defense allowed 11% of passing plays against them to go for it's either 10-plus yards or 16-plus yards. I'm going to go with 10-plus yards. 11% of their passing plays against them to go for 10-plus yards. They ranked 29th in the NFL in that regard. Bobby, the explosive pass plays down the field killed the Giants last year. It killed them. It killed their defense. So if we could do a job and if we can have some sort of effort to limit those explosive pass plays down the field this year, I really do think that changes how we perceive this group. Yeah, that's a big if, though, for me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know, man. It's uh, Maybe Lorenzo Carter. We didn't talk about Lorenzo Carter, how he's the next Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Every.com has been quoting us a lot. They quoted us again with some Tay Crowder stuff today. Um, they like us. Um, now they took our our Larry or Lorenzo Carter greater than Lawrence Taylor um stuff a little too serious, but nonetheless, um, I thought they were sarcastic with it. They were, but some people isn't got the, really mad about that. Heavy dot com, isn't it? Doesn't that also imply that <laughs> maybe it's a heavy, it's a heavy sarcastic website or heavy. no relation? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I just I bet you he's a listener. So shout out. Um, he, he did catch the sarcasm, but I'm saying when I posted it, uh, people replied like, are, are people serious? It's like, of course we're not serious dummies. Anyways, we are not calling you dumb. We're just saying you acted like a dummy in that moment. All right. Next question. Next question. We have two more silly questions. I, I, I've been trying to keep the silly questions towards the end of the show. So I'm having trouble understanding this one. And this one is from Moostermind. Knowing that 10 of the 54 Super Bowls and then 13 if you 24% if you go Bill Walsh if you go by Bill Walsh's given name William have been won by alternative wait oh no alliter what is alliterated alliter oh. alliteration alliteration got it alliterated like like alliterative named head coaches is it fair to say Joe Judge and the Giants have at least a 19 to 24% chance to win the Super Bowl this year? This was a very well-thought-out, silly question, and I give this person a lot of credit. That person is John Messina, who was the first person I found post-NFL draft to call Daniel Jones Danny Dimes. Remember when I found that last year? That's John Messina, and he complimented me on my Devontae turnover on Downs nickname, and he's a nickname expert, so um, I take that. So. I want I want to turn this into a trivia question because obviously Joe Judge is alliterated. So he said 10. Now, all of the other ones have been in my lifetime. Six of them have been Bill Belichick, so I'll be cut it off. There's three other coaches who have made up four Super Bowls with alliterated names. Can you name them? That have made that have appeared coaches that, that have, have appeared? Won, it. won it. Oh, that won. Let's see. Um... I'll say two. Two of them, which made up three, were in the 90s. And then one was um, in the 2010s. Joe Gibbs is almost. J and G are very similar. But it's not. It's not. You're right. And then how many in the 2000s? One, one in the 2010s. Um, three in the 90s, which are two people. Sean Payton, John Fox. Um, I'm just thinking of random coaches. Um, Ron Rivera, almost. But he didn't. He didn't. Uh, this is going to be bad radio. Or how, how how much time are you going to give me? Jack Del Rio, no. He was the coach of the Broncos. But The name of the won. team starts with a P. You got five seconds. Five, four, 
Panthers. Two, one. Mike McCarthy, Packers. Oh. Oh. The other one, you should know this. It involves the Giants. One from the 90s. One from the Giants in the 90s. Five, four. Nope. Three. I, no. Brian Billick, the Ravens. Oh. The last one, you should Technically, know. Technically, that's the 2000s. Technically. That was 99. Five. Last one. Who won two? Five, four, three, two. He's a NASCAR driver, kind of. One. Jimmy Johnson. Oh, I see. I'm I'm bad at on the spot stuff. I'm bad. Yeah, but I love Jimmy Johnson. Hate Mike Holm, uh, Mike Holmgren. Hate um Mike McCarthy. Doesn't exist in my brain. Yep. And then Brian Billick. What year was that Super Bowl played in? Was it played in 2000? Yeah, I think it was played in 2000. So that's why I get the two, the 2000 Super Bowl. So the worst day of Snacks' life. Yep, that was a bad day. All right, do we have anything else? Oh, speaking of snacks, he left a question at snacks underscore BDGE. With the offensive line being worse this year than the last seven years, com- or, all right, I need to say this also. Snacks is on a oh, very no, big. Do not say it. Answer, right? Say the question first, and then we'll talk about it. With the offensive line being worse this year than the last seven years combined, do you think that there's a chance our Lord and Savior Joe Judge decides to suit up and block all defensive linemen by himself this season? Snacks has been a person to say that Joe Judge is the greatest coach in NFL history already, even though he hasn't coached in an NFL game. I remember why Snacks annoyed me during the season last year. But he's not serious. This is one thing. If you have any interaction with Snacks online during this giant season, you need to understand 75, no, 85% of what he says is not serious and he's being sarcastic and 15% may actually be serious. Now, once the season starts, he is going to be serious. Oh, my God. Me and Snacks are going to go at it at least one time this season. I know it's going to happen. But we love Snacks. Um, so what's, what's really the Is Joe Judge going to suit up on the defensive line, um, on, the, on the offensive line? Yes. I think he's just going to beat the crap out of his players. I think he already beats the crap out of his players right now. Beating the crap out of him with socks. Um, Joe Judge, the authoritarian. Do we got any other questions? Nope. That's our mailbag. I can dig it. I can dig it. Um, that's an episode. Do we have anything else that we need to hit on before we get out on out of here? You know what? Here's a. We'll just. Fi- I'm just gonna scroll Twitter until I can find the first person asking a question, and we'll answer like a mailbag. So you can hear me clicking. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, here's the first one. How powerful was the the baby the baby's performance? VMAs. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, not powerful at all. I didn't see it. Not powerful at all. I listened to WAP for the first time last night with the friend oh, of mine. Oh gosh, no! It's time to end the podcast. We cannot become a WAP podcast, nor do I ever have any desire. I just couldn't. One. I just couldn't believe that there are two TikTok sounds that come out of that song, and little children dance to them. You preach, brother. All right, um, that's an episode. We'll see you guys last week of player profiles and projections. Why don't we give away the schedule? We're finishing it off with Daniel Jones. We have Saquon Barkley match with. Corey Ballantyne, that's going to be tomorrow. Okay, so Saquon Barkley and Corey Ballantyne. Now, this one was supposed to be more exciting because it was supposed to have Xavier McKinney. But the next one we think is going to be, after that, is going to be David Sills. And we're going to go either Devontae Downs or Tay Crowder. Maybe we'll put it up to a poll. 
We gotta, um, we gotta fit. Do we have to fit in a Montre Hardage somewhere? I feel no, like that's kind of necessary. No, no it's, it's not necessary. necessary. We'll do, we'll do a poll for that, or maybe we'll throw the other one on, like for five. Maybe we'll record both, and we'll try and keep them quick. And whichever one is the shortest, we'll just throw it on with Daniel Jones. Cool. So, and then it's then it's game week, baby. And then we'll have our fifty-three man roster conversation after the cuts are made, and then it's pre. Steelers show. We're going to have interviews with all our pregame shows this year, too. So look forward to that. We appreciate you guys. Leave a rating review. We are growing. Let's hit 300 by game day. Until tomorrow, let's go Big Blue.